All right, this is Down by the Bank, episode 30. This is Corey. Hey, guys, what's up? It's Derek. Hey, what's up, guys? This is uh, JK3. And we wanted to, before we get started, just kind of give a shout-out to some of the listeners out there. Um, you know, we've had some good feedback on social media, and one guy in particular I wanted to point out, he's one of our fans, uh, or one of our listeners in the UK, uh, who's been really, really awesome in terms of his feedback, is Gareth Hughes. Uh, he mentioned, actually, that they listen to our podcast when he is uh, on the train and, and going back and forth in the UK, and I felt like that was kind of cool. Um, what do you guys think about our podcast being listened to in the UK? Yeah, Garrett, you're the man. Yeah, man. Hey, we appreciate that. Um, also appreciate some of the, uh, uh, listeners from around the world. Um, you know, especially in some of our military bases, uh, shout out to everything you guys do out there, all armed forces, uh, you know, Navy, Marines, uh, Air Force, Army, uh, Coast Guard. Uh, if anyone's I'm missing, I'm sorry, but you know, appreciate everything you guys do. Yeah, that's crazy, guys. Malaysia, Singapore, Taiwan, Taiwan, Saudi Arabia. Really? We have listeners and downloads there. I mean, come on, it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, it, it, it's definitely uh, good to, 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 from a fan's perspective, get you know, show our uh, passion for the team. And unfortunately, the season didn't go like we wanted it to go. But we still have some faithful followers out there, and hopefully they're as passionate about the Jags as we are. Middleburg, I think, was on there. Middleburg. <laughs> Middleburg, Florida. <laughs> um, one thing that was kind of cool in Gareth's, uh, and I, I almost want to kind of get maybe some feedback or maybe even try to get him on in the off season just to kind of get a feel for like the UK Jaguars experience and just kind of like what they, you know, what they think about, you know, the outreach that we do out there. Um, but he had a funny comment in the review that he left on iTunes that says, um, we don't get much coverage of Jacksonville stories over here when we do it's the usual everything is okay message sent out by 1010XL burn, but it is not the case. And it's a relief that we in the UK are feeling the same. And then he mentioned, you know, how they pronounce it, the Jag, Jaguars, I guess, is the pronunciation of Jaguars in, in the UK. So he'd prefer we uh, call it that from now on. So this is now the unofficial Jaguars podcast, if you guys are okay with that. Uh, it's, it's better than Gus Bradley's Jag- Jaguars. <laughs> you know what? Have they replaced the little like audio recording at the Daily's gas station pumps that he talks about all the time? Have you have you heard those? No, because I was just there today, and no, <laughs> it was still playing. So... <laughs> You can run with the. How do you say it, JK3? You had it perfect, actually. The the the, the Jaguars. <laughs> you can run with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars, like it's like it's like he's mixing like Jaeger and you know Jaguars, Jaguars. So yeah, that's yeah. Cool. And I'm glad we don't have to hear that anymore. No. And then also, um, also, I just want to give a shout to Mike. Uh, probably has the most AOL username sounding name from the 90s my his username is mike sportsman 3000 definitely sounds like something oh yeah like, yeah he yeah, said that that was a, that was an aim name <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> he said awesome podcast someone give these guys a job on espn love this podcast better than xm radio shows so uh espn if you're listening um that's we agree with that so da so, yeah, I guess that's enough. How much time did we just spend, uh, like, building ourselves up there? I think, like, four or five uh, minutes. That's so okay. Good. It's the end of the season, and it's been a long 3-13 and 13 season, guys. 
Let's say it. Ah. Let's say it together again. Three. Three. Thirteen. Thirteen. Mm. Certainly not the mm-hmm. expectations that were set prior to the season. I don't know if you remember, like, on the radio shows and everything, like, we were talking about going to the playoffs before the season started. I want to say I thought 9 and 7, 10 and 6, maybe. I thought we would do better, but obviously not. And me being stupid, uh, it just, that's just unfortunate. We now have the changes, uh, that are taking motion, trying to find a head coach. Um, and we'll see what happens, but three and 13, what does that get us? It gets us number four in the draft. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, man, I was on the, you know, the up and up. I thought that was going to be, you know, 10 and six. I tell myself every year, do not drink the Kool-Aid. Don't <laughs> drink it. It's not good. Don't. It's not, you know, red. It's not grape. It's not the, uh, the orange that even that a lot of people don't really like, but it was, I, I, I tasted it. I had one sip and, you know, a couple of my buddies and I were there at Ale House on draft night when they got, you know, Jalen Ramsey, you know, the next day we, we got Miles Jack. We were, we were doing it, man. And then now three and 13. Hey, that's just terrible. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. That's just terrible. Quick, uh, historical <laughs> slash cultural reference. You guys know where the, the drinking the Kool-Aid thing comes from? Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it's from the South. Uh, Derek, what do you think? I, I just, what is it, a 90s television commercial about the big red Kool-Aid man? I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I do like those commercials, but no. Actually, it's like really horrible. Have you heard of Flavor-Aid? That, like the off-brand uh, Kool-Aid? Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So basically, like this guy, and I share a last name with him. I hope I'm not related. Like Jim Jones. You ever heard of him? Like Jonestown? It's like that, uh, that, like, cult thing in like South America where you got everybody to come there and commit suicide by drinking yeah, poison. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> where that comes from. So, oh, that's uh, oh, wow. His, I, history lesson. I today. thought you were talking about Jim Jones the rapper. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, yeah, that's who it is. Is Jim Jones the rapper? This is recent. It happened like a week ago. Yeah. During 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 the preseason we fly high, and then during the regular season we fallen. Yeah. Okay. Enough Jim Jones references. But, falling. <laughs> <laughs> that guy looks uh, like he's like 60 years old too is he how old is he uh, who knows who knows i just googled him and his actual name is joseph guillermo jones the second so just a heads up um yeah. all right so oh and then also the headline came up that kanye west checked into the hospital as jim jones so that's a, that's a, well since it is national uh trivia day i, I appreciate those uh <laughs> those, those tidbits you just threw in there off about flavor aid and Jim Jones. <laughs> off season talk. Oh, gosh. oh gosh. Um, one thing though, and yeah, in the three and thirteen, we finished fourth in the AFC South. I think that's obvious, but um, I will say that that last game did uh suck royally, and the fact that, and we won't spend too much time on it, but it does suck that that we couldn't pull that one off. I mean, everybody pretty much thought we had that one in the bag if you were looking on Twitter in the first half. And does that change your guys' mind at all? And like. Marone as a potential candidate because it kind of like knocked him out of the running for me just because it seemed like I know it's a small sample size but it just seemed like the normal Jaguars losing activity that we saw earlier in the year too no he wasn't even in the running for me even if we won that game um, you know a lot of people were calling for him after that one win right you, you can call for it all day okay it, the fact still remains that there are problems, okay? We still couldn't block, all right? 
still couldn't block. The only difference between Gus Bradley and Doug Marone is he knows what Bortles' weaknesses are, and he took advantage of his strengths. Okay, and that's what a coach is technically supposed to do. But still, you don't need to keep the same blood around. We got to get some new faces in there to get these guys. Uh, what was it that Beecham said? Um, I'm tired of hearing things about we're getting better. What about when we start winning? Right. That if that don't sum it up right there, I, I don't know what does. So with 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 Marone and that that one week that we won, that's just a little taste of what winning is. Winning is a cure all. Right. When you get a W, when you when you start performing and, and doing things that you should have been doing all season long, and which should have been a carryover from the last season, even though a lot of the plays were in garbage time. But when you do get that W, you see how quickly, you know, things, you know, look up on the on the up and up. But then when you, you know, take an L, it's all, all right, no, 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 we don't want him anymore. We don't want, I mean, that's what, that's the difference between winning and losing. You know, that's the difference between making the plays to win the game and, you know, not, or, or playing a prevent defense with, you know, a minute left in the fourth quarter and you've got Andrew Luck you know, driving down the field. You know, that's that's literally the difference between winning and losing right there. Right. Somebody actually at work made a really good point. And Derek, I know because you've talked about this before with like Bortles and, and body language, and maybe we haven't been able to see enough winning to really see this side of them. But how, I mean, when you saw Andrew Luck at the end of that game, like just kind of like flipping out over that victory, even though it was completely meaningless, I just thought that was that was cool. And I hope that Bortles is then in you know, into the game as much as he is, because you could tell, even though the game was meaningless, it was it was huge for him as a victory. I'll make a reference here, a basketball reference. Michael Jordan in the nineties had this clause in his contract called the for the love of the game contract, which meant he could play the game at any time and he wouldn't be penalized for it. Because he loved playing basketball. I'm curious if Bortles loved playing football under coach Gus Bradley. Sit back and think about that. Do you think he actually really loved playing football? you think he enjoyed going to practice? Probably not. So maybe Marone did give them a little small spark, just a glimpse. Mm-hmm. You know, like JK3 just said, winning cures everything. But Andrew Luck, the reason why he jumped up and down, because he loves playing football. We didn't make the playoffs, but we still won. Right. You know? Well, and I'll kind of like to, to jump on that. And JK3, I don't know if you read this, but Bortles apparently came out today in uh in kind of their interview sessions as they were cleaning out their lockers just saying basically you know well you you heard about it the other day he's been playing hurt I guess but then he came out today and said that I guess Greg Olson had disagreed with his uh going out and working with the trainer that he had worked with in California the year prior and that's part of the reason he stayed in Jacksonville and just worked out with the receivers so it seemed like right yeah it seemed like there's a lot of grievances there and and things like injury wise and, and, and coaching wise and things that the players are comfortable with that really showed that one of the complaints people had about Gus Bradley and his coaching staff, which was the adaptability to the personnel that you have. You know, if Bortles is saying that he's right. not comfortable working with a particular guy and it makes him better as evident by his last season, why would you not adapt and let him do that? You know, in my opinion, and this is not just a football, uh, you know, thing. This is just a life thing. There's two sides to every story, and then there's the truth. You know, so, you know, it's funny how all these things start to come out about how, you know, Blake was hurt. And if he was hurt, you know, I understand that, you know, he may be hurt, you know, but we do have a viable backup in Chad. Um, you know, then you even let the kid, Brandon Allen, take a spin or anything else like that. You know, if you're hurt and you're playing hurt, one, I think it's kind of selfish because you are, quote unquote, the franchise quarterback. So you shouldn't be putting yourself in that position. 
and you should be getting the treatment that you need to get yourself back into the game to perform at an optimal level. That's just my rant on that. And then secondly, you know, these things come out after the coach is gone. You know, people start saying these things, oh, well, this was that, or I didn't need to do this, or I felt like a caged animal here, I, I felt like this, and I felt like that. One thing that shows on the football field and it shows on film is instinct. These are professional football players. When you put in that position to play the game and you're put in that position to make a game-time decision, everything else goes out the window. Right. The scheme goes out the window. The preparedness goes out the window. What comes in play is your instinct, the game speed, the things that people can't measure. That comes into instincts and that comes into play. So half the time when I hear all this stuff about some of the players – uh, like to Sean Gibson saying that, you know, he didn't do his research, um, and he wasn't used to the scheme. But I can tell you that there was a couple plays that were left on that field where Jalen Ramsey tipped balls to you and they should have been catches and you didn't catch them. Mm-hmm. So what does you not catching the ball have to do with the offensive scheme and the coaching? You know, the same thing with Blake. You know, he, Ollie didn't want him going out to California and, you know, uh, perfecting his craft and doing everything. Okay, I understand that because most of your receivers are here. But then again, you know, a Spirit Airline flight <laughs> to, to California is probably like $35. I'm pretty sure he could have fit the bill for his guys to go out there and get some work done. But that's beside the point again. And then when it comes back to your instincts, you throw the ball to the receiver. You are, you're a quarterback. You've gotten a D1 scholarship. You are a winning quarterback in college. You were able to throw the ball and able to make some of the routine throws last year, you need to step up and make those routine throws and rely on your instincts as a football player and not a schemer and not if I'm hurt. If I'm out here, if I'm strapping up, I'm playing, no excuses. Remember this, too. Like you said, which scheme? What we talked about earlier in the season, Corey, only about 25 to 30 plays are actually scripted. Okay, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So. After that, it's all by feel. What's the team doing? What are we doing? What's working? What's not? You can't go by the, the, the coaching bashing. Now, some of the players made some valid points. Um, uh, I thought some of Jalen Ramsey's points were, were kind of valid. I, I like Kelvin Beecham's line, obviously. But then others, it's on yourself. It, it, it's really on, on you. Some, you know, they, they hold accountable. Others are like, well, I'm just going to blame it on the coach because he got fired anyway. That's just, no, no, I'm sorry. So, you know, only, only the, only the first quarter's probably scripted and that's probably only half the first quarter. Then after that, it's, you know. Well, and like maybe you guys can explain this to me, but like I just don't understand as somebody who doesn't know the X's and O's as much with Jalen Ramsey, like what is he actually talking about? Because I mean, what, like, wasn't he on the, the other team's, top receiver every game i mean isn't that what he wants to be doing anyway so like what 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 exactly is he wanting from the next coaching staff i'm not getting that um so some of your top corners in the league uh not all of them but some of them will shadow the receiver wherever he goes so like uh if the receiver lines up in the slot one thing is off another team would do if you have a very strong corner then they'll take their best receiver and move him in the slot make him motion out of the backfield, put him opposite. Ramsey would just stay up at top where, you know, where he was. Okay, so he would you call that, and there's many different names for it. It's called like the boundary corner, okay. the shortest side of the field. And basically, you're on, an, you're, you're, you're on an island, okay? Every now and again, he would go on the wide side, 
but he was usually uptight. He did that at FSU too. That he was on the boundary. Um, and you basically, the safety's over top on the other side, and you're by yourself. But he wanted to shadow the team's top receiver, and sometimes they wouldn't allow him to do that. And it kind of just took him out of place because they knew good and well, you're not going to take, you're not going to try him with your third, you know, string receiver, you know, the third receiver on the depth chart, unless he's wide open, you're not going to try him. So it's essentially taking him out of the game, hmm. where if he move him around and show different looks, then that makes it confusing. You know? Corey, if you, if you look at it, look at it kind of like, um, and the best example that I can probably say, and this guy, he didn't play corner per se, but the way Pittsburgh used Troy Polamalu, mm-hmm. how he was literally everywhere on the field. He wasn't like a typical, you know, uh, a strong safety or free safety. I'm not sure which one he was actually labeled as, but he wasn't your typical um, you know, safety that was just back there playing center field looking for big hits. He was, uh, you know, there's been times where you've seen him, you know, jump over the line and make a sack. Mm-hmm. Um, right. There's been times he's been lined up as like a fourth linebacker. Um, there's been times he's been lined up in a nickel position too. And that nickel was kind of one of your, your faster, more physical, uh, you know, receiver or excuse me, DBs. You usually have, uh, you know, four, but if you have a guy that can play nickel, he's kind of maybe uh, a hair or two behind. You know, one of the other receivers is why he's not starting, so he comes in on nickel packages. So if he was, um, you know, if, if Jalen, if they were able to get him in different positions in Florida State, he also played, I think he played a little bit of safety also, right, Derek? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so so he he's, he's a versatile athlete, and when he says he felt, he felt like he was caged, it means that he was only playing that boundary or, or that short side of the field as opposed to where, He's the type of player where he knows where the play is going to go and where the all-star receiver is. He wants to be able to follow that guy wherever, and, you know, that just wasn't in the scheme of things. That's why Richard Sherman is, you know, he gets so much scrutiny because it's the same defense that they have uh, in in Seattle, kind of the same blueprint, mm-hmm. and how a lot of people say he won't follow anyone, um, and that's because of the scheme that he plays. Okay, that makes sense. I don't know, it just seems kind of like uh... – Again, I don't know if I'm just looking at it not in too in depth, but like for a defense that finished like what was it like fifth or sixth in the league total? I mean, I just don't see how they have they can have too many complaints. I mean, I understand from like his own individual performance, maybe he wishes he could have done more on the stat sheet, but when the defense ranks that high, I don't know. I mean, there's a high possibility. I've heard that Todd Wash, not high possibility, but a percentage chance that Todd Wash could potentially be retained as defensive coordinator. And so if that happens, like. What kind of, uh, that just puts him in a pretty bad position, I think. You're talking trash about him, and all of a sudden he's your coach again next offseason. Not really, though, because if you think it, think about it, they are saying, we still, we could have been better. They finished fifth, fifth or sixth, and they're seeing room for improvement. When a player says that, and they're owning up to that from not just, you know, the coaching, but also they say, hey, we could have gone, we could have done better. That speaks volumes. And that also, the second thing is, they're saying is we. Not as I, not as defense, but as we. We, the team. So, although their messages are a little bit differently, you know, different as far as what coach or what the coach did or caged or winning or whatever, at least it sounds like they're, they're standing together for most part, for the most part. I agree. And, and one of the things that, that hasn't been in this locker room for a while is accountability. And the accountability to want to win, you know, it started with with, with Puzz Lesney when he came here. He tried to instill that culture 
but only one person is not going to change, um, you know, a 52 man roster and then, you know, an entire culture of winning. It's when you get people and players in that have been used to winning and, you know, they don't accept losing and they don't accept getting better. They don't accept, oh, we're improving. They want to win. I mean, you know, I, I forget what week it was, but when Jalen Ramsey was on the sideline and he was literally frustrated and, you know, crying because he's tired of losing, this guy's coming from losing like four games in his entire college career. Right. And he's lost four games already in the first four weeks of his NFL career. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I definitely can understand the frustration and whatnot. Uh, some of the guys, like, and, and this is the last point I'll make on this, like, you guys can tell me, Derek, like, Njokwe has a crazy season, sets the, the rookie sack record for the organization, and then Dante Fowler doesn't. So it's like, what's, you know, Dante Fowler is one of the first ones that came out with an Instagram post talking about being a caged animal and everything, and it's like, well, what's the difference? Like, how can one guy who maybe wasn't picked as highly do so well and set the rookie record for the team and then one not? Or like Malik Jackson, he had a pretty good season, and then the other guys on the line maybe didn't. Like, like what's the, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, and he made some comments that he's a stand-up rusher, as opposed to being down in a three-point stance. Um, he likes to come from the from certain sides, whether it be the left side or the most popular position. Or and people know fans know Leo, you know whatever. Bottom line is you're paid to rush the passer, and he just didn't get it done. Now, whether if he was still kind of worried about the knee or psyche or frustrated with coaching, who knows? But here's what we do know. We got a guy in Ngakwe that can get after the pass rusher or get after the quarterback pass rusher. And hopefully that Fowler sees that and he works even harder in the offseason to get to that point because we would like two of them. We wouldn't like just one. We would like two coming off of the edge and Malik Jackson, Jackson collapse in the middle. So that creates competition. That's a good thing. You know, that's a good thing. What the next coaching staff will do with him if they stand him up, put him in the line, put him over gap, you know, who knows what they're going to do with him. But we know this. We got one, a young, a young kid on the team that can get after the quarterback and hopefully that kind of spreads. And with Malik Jackson showing a little bit of leadership possibly on that line, you know, it's one of the bright spots that we actually have. Right. Uh, to, to piggyback on that, I think a lot of, uh, you know, Fowler's issues, it, it didn't come from him being athletic, you know, they weren't athletic issues where he was just getting bullied around or anything. I think it was a maturity aspect. I think that, yeah. you know, he would, some of his, some of his, and maturity, I don't mean necessarily by like his characteristics, like with him, you know, I, it's kind of hard to articulate it, but as far as him, his play maturity, he's rushing up the field seven yards past the, you know, the, 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 the quarterback and the quarterback is just stepping in the pocket. He kind of needs to know whenever he can get upfield and put that swim move or, or knife through to, to, to minimize him going upfield, but move laterally to collapse the pocket. I feel a lot of the times when, when Fowler rushed and he, and he's a speed rusher, you know, he, he has to try to beat you and try to bend around that, that, that tackle to, to try to come around on the quarterback. And then sometimes he was rushing upfield so much the quarterback, or excuse me, if the tackle really just kick blocked and stayed and just kept him out, you know, at bay. And the quarterback was able to step into the pocket when you see a lot of your other speed rushers, um, who can, who know when to kind of, uh, see that, that tackle cheating and can kind of hit that swim move and spin backwards and into the quarterback. 
that's how a lot of those happened. And that's Dwight how a lot Freeney. of, uh, yeah, yeah, the Dwight Freeney. Dwight and that's Freeney. how uh-huh. Malik Jackson got a lot of his sacks because Ngakwe was coming and kind of knew when to kind of bend that and, and turn around. And then Malik's right there in the middle to clean up on, on the sacks. So if, if Dante can, can minimize that and, and keep that, 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 that speed under control, um, you know, I, I think it, it's just two bookend, you know, Leos or defensive ends, whatever terminology you want to use. I think that's a, that's a bright future for that D line. And another thing too, when you're playing against a veteran football player and they see that anxious young player trying to, you know, get up the field and make every play, they saw that. They knew that. They're like, Hey, let's just push him out because he's going to take himself out of the play anyway. And then we can focus on other things. Yeah. You know? One guy, the defensive line is basically one person can mess everything up for the whole line. I'd be curious to see how many of Ngakwe's sacks were when Fowler wasn't in the game. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.